0: Hi, and welcome to Figure of Speech, a program from WRBH, where every week you can meet local poets and fiction writers for the New Orleans community and listen to them share their work. This episode, we welcome on poet and former host of the Writers' Forum, Valentine Pierce. Take a listen. Hi, this is Valentine Pierce. I'm here at WRBH Radio today, enjoying myself. It's been a long time. I'm going to read from my new book, Updicator which I will also be reading from February 18th at the Maple Leaf Bar, and sometime after that, at the Lotter Library. This book came about as a result of the title poem, which is Updicator, because I was going to the rally for the statues in Jackson Square, and that was right after Charlottesville When that young woman had been killed, somebody drove and hit her. I found that frightening, but I felt like I had to go to the rally. And when I got back, I ended up writing this poem called Up Decatur. Then I realized I had a lot of things I wanted to say about all the events that had happened. So we'll start with Up Decatur. Yesterday I strolled up Decatur like a tourist. Casual, as though going nowhere in particular. Pace steady. Even long strides. An imperceptible hurry. A modified march to a potentially deadly situation. Alone. No friend to help soothe the fright. Smiling politely as I slipped around, real tourist. I had posted my own warnings. Be aware. Prepare. Friends added, have an exit strategy. My strategy? Park safely blocks away the other side of the fields. Walk into the rally with eyes wide open for weapons, for violence, for death, to make its attempt on my life. And then I felt it, the gentle, firm push of ancestors who had died for my freedoms, who strove to give me my two-thirds, my whole humanness, womanhood, my homeland. America. Unavoidably late for the rally, but going anyway, jean purse zipped and ready to be swung like a bat. Camera, small, digital, but as good as a hammer in a hurry. Umbrella, new, long, blue and white, its, l- its lengthy spike capable of piercing the first supremacist that tried me. Tennis shoes that gave me traction, stability. Two shirts, If one was snatched, it would give me reach enough, without losing the other one, to bust a face with all the anger built up into my fist these last several months. Skirt long enough to be modest, short enough to let my legs stretch out into a full-out run should I need to run towards someone or away from a deadly melee. We'd been warned. Neo-Nazis might bust in, attempt to shut down with their fear, their violence, their weapons of war we'd seen it in charlottesville people dying to defend their homeland in barcelona the driver was called a terrorist america softened the death to murder but i could not let that intimidate i could not let that intimidation stop me could not let that threat stand for children as yet unborn my voice my presence was as needed as air the rally its talking points were my breath Walked up Decatur into, Jackson, into the Jackson Square crowd, ready and able to take on whatever white liars needed truthing, training, explaining. I stood within the throng, full-hearted. It was a good day. No one died. No one was arrested. A woman from Asheville. Her rusty blonde hair giving away water, cool, clear water that I swigged down. We talked of the beautiful mountains of our home state, the hard whiteness of some of its residents. I told her to find me on Facebook. She did. We had a friend in common. New Orleans, with its big city cheekiness and small town realness, flaunted its two degrees of separation. I strolled the half mile back to my car. Casual, as though going nowhere in particular. Nowhere but home. On the way back, a young man stopped me, wanted to sell me his CD, asked where I was visiting from, the Ninth Ward. We both laughed. He moved on to actual tourist. I adjusted the bracelet on my left hand, mindlessly checked the watch on my right, never even saw the time. Umbrella tucked in, camera slung over one shoulder, purse over the other. Arms swung free. No handcuffs bound my wrists. No terrified screams escaped my lips. No jail cell or grave awaited me. Felt the pride of the ancestors who had strolled with me, stood with me, protected me on a journey into places within myself I had never been, often hid from. Today, I took my own fear and felt the, the strength of my ancestors cooling my hot temper, my angry heart, my flushed skin, my ever-cycling mind. Strolled to my car and drove home, deeply satisfied that my shy, non-social self would dare. Now, when asked, what did you do for freedom today? I can say, I was there. I was there. The opening poem for this book is called Jazz. I wrote this poem as part of an art exhibit by Jacqueline Hughes Mooney. She's gone from us now, but she had had an event called If Jazz Were a Color. I really enjoyed writing for this. Jazz. If jazz were a color, it would be indigo some days and raspberry others. Skies would slide from periwinkle to pink champagne. Lemon, lavender and licorice would line music store shelves. ghosted walls of cream, ecrew, eggshell you could never tell about those soft colors. Could drift into spun cobalt, melted caramel. What if it were flesh tone? Depends on what tone you think flesh is. If it isn't beige, a blue-veined, olive, swarthy, porcelain pine. Are people pine? Maybe oak. Walnut, pecan, pumpkin, peach, cinnamon, obsidian. I know some dirty reds and high yellows, some beet-faced, lily-livered. Does that count? If jazz were a color, it might be sunrise rose, lovely as ocean waves, muted as dry vine fences, green as forest floors. Not common red-brown, that has no sound. Not neon orange, that's too loud. What if it were canary, a tree bark, a honey badger's underbelly, a rainforest hummingbird's wing, a tropical flower, snow on the mountainside, unexplainable Katrina color, hurricane debris, water blue tarps splicing roofs with clouds, slush gray piles of cars on washed-out streets, windswept houses folded into dirty coast sand, mother-of-pearl christening gown casket, penitentiary gray, any day of the week. Color won't keep overnight. It breaks in morning light, twilight, high noon, midnight, in too little sun or too much rain, like pain. It reaches every cell in your being. Tuesdays would be coral, following Sundays of bloody Hail Marys, diluted with tears, salty as oysters. Blanched walls of human hearts, the bitter bite of Brussels sprouts, or a half-dozen kumquats. A teaspoon, a two, a three, or even more of cayenne pepper. Because sorrow, sorrow is every color. Gospel has no color on Sunday afternoons, only Sunday mornings in black white of church pews. Perhaps Tuesdays are crimson because blood is red, pain is blue black. Crimson is built on that, right? Never mind. Winter green wansy may be okay at midday, but it would have to be willing to be golden before evening comes to the horizon. No one knows what color Thursday is. This grab bag day keeps its secrets close. Mean streak? Tender heart? You never know what it's going to be until you reach in and put out a color. lack a days ago, lilac. Frenetic fuchsia, mildly maroon, nutty banana. Ginger and fields, double dark chocolate a chance you take to make it through the week. Saturday? Well, Saturday would be a pick-your-own-color day, any way you feel is okay bold or cold or quiet, warm or wet, or whatever gets your groove. Go inside it or around it or skip it altogether. Treat it like a hot August day in an air-conditioned room. Two fingers of whiskey, a squat glass of mint julep, a tall one of tequila and slow gin fizz. Saturday. Your day to do what you will. To tell the truth, Saturday should be first in its long line, where time can be colorless, clear as daylight, or muddy, opaque as a minus-moon night. Every day will hold a hint of deep purple, that red-blue hue, more blue, of dragonflies and larkspur, because purple is regal and knows a day is never one color. A day is never void, so once in a while it might be owl-feathered brown, Because sometimes jazz is soundless in the way it wraps around you. Some days, tangerine that shouts out, I am alive too, I am a part of you. If jazz were a color, it would be soft-spoken on Blue Mondays, generous on Black Fridays, heart-wrenched on Bloody Sundays. It would be you. The next poem is called Honey Boy amazing where poems come from. I worked in a restaurant supply company when I was in California and one of the young ladies called the boss's son Honey Boy and I was like "Ooh, that is a poem and so I wrote it. She called him Honey Boy. I couldn't resist the enchanted feel of it in my mouth. Started thinking of all the honeyed pleasures I've known. Favorite sweets of childhood. How, as children, innocent and un- unknowing, we appreciated these sensuous pleasures, running our tongue all around the outsides of our lips, inside our hands, putting our fingers in our mouths, not letting go until we were sure we had every single drop of that lollipop, huckabuck, peanut patty, banana candy, ice cream. Hey, choose your own sweet treats. Roll the words around with your tongue. Doesn't it just make your mouth water? Mm. Here is one about the neighborhood I live in called Bywater. The house I live in has a very large porch. I found it funny when a couple of people who are from other places said they saw me sitting on a stoop. The first guy just stunned me so much I didn't know what to say. the next guy, I said, this is a porch. That's the stoop. And I pointed to the steps across the street. There are always interesting characters in the Bywater. Well, there are interesting characters all over New Orleans, but since I live between two bars, it's fascinating to watch the people walk through, the second lines come through, the little parades and lighted bicycles and people carrying entire speakers on their shoulders plugged into their ears listening to music. Sitting on the porch in the dark, Light pulls the bees from their hive. We find their bodies in the morning. Have to sweep them up. Phone solitaire coffee. Wafting scents of lang-lang. Absorbing the disparate life of the street. Thursday nights. Vaughn's bands fill the street. Fridays. BJ's owns the crowd. Little Freddie King. Girl bands. Rock and roll. Wednesdays. Poets speak. Or vent. Birthday parties. Cookouts. Pool with G-money. He can make a cue ball sing. He talks a good game, too. But I had him hustling for words. I tried to hustle pool balls in dim light without my classics. Excuses for a game I played briefly 30 odd years ago. My goal? To lose fabulously? Quite successful. Idle chatter springs from BJ's in between jukebox songs in every genre. Trumpet calls are so intriguing I am almost tempted. I can't see it, but I know the palm tree is swaying in the breeze in the neighbor's backyard. Five horns caution riverboat pilots as they dance around the mighty Mrs. Hips. Trains blare their warnings. Sometimes I meet Mother Possum, seeking the honey drippings of the center porch column. Don't scare her, or she'll break glass pots beelining off the porch. Up the street. Hordes of bicyclists can be heard before they're seen. Music blaring from speakers attached to handlebars. Bikes flaunting blinking lights, feathers, bells. Tourists speaking every known language. Stroll dead center down the asphalt. They've learned enough to never risk the busted sidewalks. A late evening runner announces his approach with jingle bells on his sneakers. Tis the season year-round in this robust neighborhood, where everybody has dogs. Some have cats, too, but I only see the strays and lost ones. Others stay home, purring in contentment on the sofa, in a box, on the desk, or anywhere you don't want them. Cats don't need to be walked. Dogs, on the other hand. Some spry pups, some ancient tortoises, lead and follow on leashes one, two, or even three at a time. Such a good girl, one woman praises a puppy in training. The older she gets, the more words she can say, another says of her dog. No, a man chides, but he is behind the out-of-gas be soon van, so no telling what his dog did. That van has sat across the street for months. The awkwardly sprayed antique gold words faded into the washed-out white walls and dark windows until someone called the police. Now it rambles up and down, parking in any free space. Crying. A woman outside B Days, words of comfort too soft to hear, the sobbing goes on and on. Hushed comforting follows each outburst of anguish. Tourists, gentrifiers, waddle past in groups like ducklings, tracing from one bar to the next. A neighborhood musician extends an invitation. He's playing at Bar Redux, a couple of blocks away. Last night he played his tambourine with his foot while making his harmonica wail. A good selling point for joining him at the bar if I had the energy. But it's the day after the Christmas party, and I am too pooped to pop, as my mother used to say. Hmm, I'm looking at this other poem. It's called Tuesday. And of course, this is a Mardi Gras poem. Tuesday everywhere else, weekday, workday, worry day. Here, it's throw your cares away day, throw me something, mister day, can I have that lady day, dance in the street day, paint your face and body day, dress fabulously silly day. Today is just Tuesday everywhere else. Here, it's Mardi Gras day, Al Carnival time, Johnson day, today in New Orleans, the only kind of day of its kind in this country, Fat Tuesday, tomorrow, tomorrow is still as Wednesday. Hmm, we're gonna go back to one of those. Uh, <laughs> this one, my friend, called a rant. It's called "We Are a Country." The poet Erin Gerard Kelly sent me a poem, and it said, "Trump is just a man. We are a country," and that kind of sent me into my own poetry. We are a country. We are a country. We are a country. We are a country. This is my new mantra. We are a country of marginalized people. Most of us can bear witness to our immigrant status. The indigenous ones, First Nation natives, were slaughtered wholesale. Those that survived the murderous onslaught are boxed into polluted, barren plots. The rest of us came here on ships, one way or another. Seeds in the flesh of ancestors sold into slavery, fleeing persecution, seeking milk and honey. Generations later, we are boxed in too, in suburbs where we hide to hide our role in this disaster, in cities' hearts where we struggle to survive this aberration, in country mile outskirts where we think we are forgotten. We are the generations later children whose flesh rots above ground, whose blood is still being spilled on the land on which we are murdered the land where we are disowned, disavowed, destroyed, the land we have defended and died for in wars we should not have been fighting. Entrapped by the very ones who gave us the worst recession since the Great Depression, who stole our homes, bankrupted our savings, lost us our income, these same ones now seek to rule us with bludgeoning weapons, these lickspittles, stroking an uncontainable ego, petting a beast who is consuming everything in his path. It is the forgotten ones, the ones nobody expected, who have turned this tide into a tsunami. Feral fools who do not understand that they are on the same list. They are targets, too, as lunacy dismantles liberty, justice, and freedom. The man, a loose description at best, they chose as already planning his part-time presidency. The president of all Americans needs three-day weekends everywhere but at the White House. He'll go the extra miles to sleep in his penthouse, as though America takes weekends off, as though impoverished Americans can live on part-time leadership, full-time tyranny, as though we can close up the Oval Office on holidays, go on a spending spree or a winter cruise, skiing in the Alps, sunning in the Caribbean, as though we can be delegated to his surrogates, set aside to be led by the ones with pitchforks in their hands. He wants to leave us to the clan of clowns, who have roamed the halls of the White House, haunted our sleep, nightmares of a naked woman dancing on Lincoln's bed, and destroyed our livelihoods for decades. He's bought one for a pence, a dollar twenty-six U.S. Some for a bag of bones, no need to name the old dogs here. Give them all a lollipop, the ones whose only purpose has been to destroy what our flesh and blood has built, as though we are able to escape our problems by living in our second, third, or fourth homes. We, the rent-brown, the homeless, the helpless, the starving, the haunted, the hunted, have no place to go. This hawkish corporate clown with killing on his mind, low-rent goons up his behind, and the temperament of a rabid squirrel is part and parcel of why America has fallen into the abyss, and is marked by countries that once held us in esteem. The face of our country now an ugly mesh of orange flesh, hair like the dirty feathers of an ailing rooster. The joke every other country is telling, is laughing at. The lies only people without understanding believe. We have nothing, I have nothing, we have nothing. The only difference is the color of the universe painted. This rainbow humanity. All else is the same, but we are pushed and punished, beaten and banished by television-fed idiots who not only drank the Kool-Aid, but spiked it with the vitriol of one whose very life has been built on depriving us all. For years, this one-trick pony has picked the pockets of the very ones who voted for him, egged on by media that not only lacked a moral compass, but whose lack of a sufficient vocabulary for truth severely undersold the risks to the world. We are a country. We are a country. We are a country. This grotesque charade chains us all, and we, in this blue dot of a city in a blood-red state, will not bow down on that dirty ground to this vindictive predator or let him drain the swamp of corruption from the Great Lakes into the Missouri, the Mississippi, as though we don't already know he has polluted them all. We cannot let him take ultimate revenge on those who challenge his incessant need for monarchy. We, the hustling masses of this haven city, have always lived as outsiders in this country. We are the white elephant in the room. We must stand up, all of us. Grab this clown by his ruffled collar, rub off that painted on tain, pluck this old cock's feathers, drop him into the pressure cooker, feed the manure to farm animals. We are our country, and we can fight for life, liberty, justice for all, but only if we dare to believe that we can. Snatch this pea-grabber by the balls and make him say, Auntie. Show him that we will not be subjects of a demagogue whose crown boasts pressed on jewels made in China. Yeah, I get a little bent out of shape. (laughs) Let's see. I'm thinking of what else I might want to do. I should do something maybe sweet. How about that? This is called Chocolate Drops and Marshmallow Cream. This came about when a friend and I... (laughs) went to a networking event years ago. And she walked in, and she said, ooh, it's a chocolate pool of men. Well, you know what happened. She called it a chocolate pool of men. We laughed as we melted into the teeming crowd. Poets, we said, are strange critters, always thinking in those weird phrases, always tuned into the sights and sounds of things, at least almost always because being always tuned in makes us more crazy and less poets. A chocolate pool it was, though. Everything from ebony statues with blueberry chips to milk chocolate miniatures filled with marshmallow cream covered in honey. Caramel-coated white chocolate drops, hints of raspberry at their bubblegum centers. Dark chocolate bits whipped into confectioner's sugar flavored with lemon. Legs. (laughs) Lips. (laughs) Fingertips. Flexed, wet, and manicured. Mm. Mm. A woman can't live off chocolate alone. So when you bury me, let my epitaph read. She died toothless and happy. I'm thinking of what else might be very interesting. Here's one this is about my friend's dog. He's 13. And he's a rascal. We call him the man of the house. And when he barks, I say he's calling her. Peebo, a scampering rascal, answers the door from the back parlor. I shout back Peebo! Spindly legged cat dog, spoiled as rice pudding left on a counter overnight. Curly ecru hair like Dupiani's silk. What breed is he exactly? Poodle? Possibly. Maltese? Maybe. Pooties? Matoodle? unlikely. I watched them together on the chase lounge, him spread out in her arms, she caressing him, him looking up. Right to the core of that one. Smaller than Napoleon, but king of the castle. She cooks chicken breast for him, gives him tender care, a firm voice when necessary, but not often. He's almost human. Eats while sleeps comfortably, talks her head off sometimes, sits in the best rocker, Doesn't complain when you move him. You have to pick him up. He doesn't chew. Gossip away critter. Thinks he's Joe Lewis. Isn't shy about letting everyone know. This is my house. Thank you for listening. I hope you have enjoyed some of these poems. And keep tuning in to WRBH for some of the most fabulous things you ever heard. That was poet Valentine Pierce, and you've been listening to Figure of Speech, a new community poetry and writing program from WRBH. Tune in every Saturday at 1 p.m. and on Mondays at 9 p.m. for more great New Orleans writing. Thanks for listening.